Welcome to the Russian Rulers Podcast, Episode 30, The All-Joking, All-Drunken Synod of Fools and Jesters. Last episode, we left Sophia and the Novodevici convent with Peter and a sickly half-brother, Ivan, at the head of the government. But was Peter ready to rule Russia? The answer is a resounding no. He was only 17, and he was unready, and more importantly, unwilling to assume the power that was his to take. He wanted to stay in Priobrazhenskoy and play, as well as hang out with the foreigners in the Western or German quarters, much to the dismay of Patriarch Joachim and his mother Natalia, who wanted to rid Russia of all the Western influences that first Tsar Alexei and later Sophia pushed. Peter's mother, her brother Lev Narishkin, Emilian Ukrainsev, and Boris Golitsyn formed the ruling group. Other Boyar families joined in the job-feeding frenzy, following the vacuum with the removal of many of, but not all of, Sophia's followers. The problem was that the new people in control were not very competent, and some were quite corrupt. They worked at enriching themselves for the next five years, forgetting about the continued Crimean Tatar raids into the Ukraine, the stagnant economy, and passing no new laws despite the overwhelming need for them. Patriarch Joachim kept as tight a rein as possible on Peter, which made the young man chafe. He wanted to be with the foreigners, but Joachim would have nothing of it. Then, suddenly, the patriarch died. In a battle between Peter and the church, he wanted to select an intellectual man to the patriarchate, one Metropolitan Marcellus of Pskov, but the church leaders selected Metropolitan Adrian an old-style Russian with little education outside of church matters. Adrian even proclaimed that Marcellus was too learned for the job. This was a defeat that Peter would not forget. What we will see throughout his life is that defeat is only a lesson learned, and he would never make the same mistake twice. Now, even though a conservative patriarch had been elected, Peter was free. Adrian was no Joachim. The Tsar decided he wanted out, and he began to spend more and more time in the German quarter. There, he founded his band of friends, society called the All-Joking, All-Drunken Synod of Fools and Jesters. It was a not-so-subtle insult to the Orthodox Church's Synod of Bishops. The group's parties were filled with rituals and ceremonies, many of which were created by Peter himself. The partying was typical in some respects of Russian tradition, like drinking until everyone passed out. But it was unlike Russian parties and the mockery of church services, which had Peter not been Tsar would have certainly met with torture, excommunication, and likely execution. Many of the parodies of the church were carefully targeted in word at the Roman Catholic Church, but many knew who the real target was. Joining Peter were many of his toy soldier buddies from Priobrazhenskoy, as well as members of the Foreign Officer Corps, like Patrick Gordon 
and Francis Lefort, the Swiss soldier of fortune. The parties would have somewhere between one to two hundred men, along with a bevy of women, where they would drink the night away two to three times a week. Because of Peter's extraordinary height, estimates went from six foot six to seven feet tall, far taller than the average person of that time. Few could keep up with his voluminous drinking. I mean, something that would shorten many of their lives, and even Peter's. Now, one of the rules at the drunken synod parties was that, quote, all goblets were to be emptied properly, and that members were to get drunk every day and never go to bed sober. Question remains, how much longer would Peter have lived if not for the drunken synod? We don't know, but if one friend, Chekhov Turgenev, certainly longer than the three days after the men had a grand celebration after his wedding. Despite his friend's death, likely of alcohol poisoning, Peter partied like this until his death in 1825. Peter was also a pyrotechnic aficionado. Oh, did he like his fireworks. He would have grand displays, which, of course, weren't without risks. One time, an unexploded shell hit and killed a boyar. Risk was there every time you were around the Tsar. One Prince Dolgeruki died of an infection when shot in the arm during a mock battle Peter staged. His friend, Patrick Gordon, also suffered potentially fatal injuries as well. Peter kept up with his passion for shipbuilding, showing off his fleet at Lake Pleshev. He spent weeks on end, building and sailing, oftentimes with little sleep. In 1692, he spent months there, returning to Moscow in November, where he contracted dysentery. For six weeks, his life hung in the balance. Many feared that if he died, nothing could stop Sophia from returning and exacting her revenge. The fear continued until he recovered, as his constitution was noted to be quite strong. Within a few months, he was back at the lake with his boats. During the summer of 1693, Peter, along with many of his jolly crew, as they were known, headed to Archangel, way to the north, which was the only port Russia had. The city was 600 miles from Moscow in a straight line, but a thousand miles of traveling was necessary to get there, so you can imagine how arduous the trip must have been. Archangel's waters were frozen most of the year, as it was north of the Arctic Circle. His mother, Natalia, begged him not to go, and only relented when he promised not to sail on the ocean when he got there. According to Robert Massey's book on Peter, called Peter the Great, the young Tsar wrote about his mother's concerns in his book, Maritime Regulations. Quote, For some years, I had the fill of my desires on Lake Pleshev, but finally it got too narrow for me. I then decided to see the open sea and began often to ask for the permission of my mother to go to Archangel. She forbade me such a dangerous journey, but seeing my great desire and unchangeable longing, allowed it in spite of herself. Natalia was wise to be worried, as an incident occurred a year later, where the ship Peter was in almost capsized, and only through, as he put it, a miracle of prayer 
saved them from almost certain death. The port of Archangel was choked with foreign ships filled with all kinds of exotic products, both from Russia going out and Europe coming in. It was the only time they could make it there, and with the 21 hours of sunlight, a lot of loading and unloading could go on. Peter noted with dismay that none of the boats in the river or harbor were Russian. That would have to change. The Tsar, for his part, was fascinated and went so far as to break his promise to his mother when he boarded a ship that he had helped construct himself, called aptly the St. Peter. He returned to Moscow after his adventures with great reluctance. But then, in February 4, 1694, his beloved mother Natalia died at the young age of 42. Peter was crushed. He mourned his loss for weeks, but was able to finally get himself together. With her death, though, there was no one to hold him back and to make him abide by the old Russian ways. He was now free to westernize as much as he pleased. Interestingly enough, that Easter, Peter and Ivan appeared together for the great procession at the church service for the last time. And interestingly, the last time Peter appeared at that particular service. As anyone who has been to a Russian Orthodox Easter or is Russian Orthodox themselves would know, Easter is the pinnacle of celebrations in the Orthodox year. So when I found out this was the last time he showed up at an Easter procession in Moscow, it was quite shocking to me when I read about it. He was obviously unbridled. That spring of 1694 was to see a return to Archangel, now that he was no longer bound by his promise to stay off the ocean. He bounded with enthusiasm at the mere thought of being on a boat, sailing off to a new adventure, which was to come shortly, but not in the north, but in the south. Back in Moscow, Peter called for army maneuvers, like he did so often in Preobrazhenskoy in his youth, but this time it was with 30,000 men. One side was commanded by Ivan Bertulin, the other by Fyodor Romodonovsky. This was a full-on practice with siege weapons, artillery, cavalry, and infantry, and included multiple river crossings as well. That fall, with the army back at home or in their barracks, Peter and his commanders debated on how to use these trained men in a real battle. They were to aim at a target the Cossacks had once held during the reign of Peter's grandfather, Michael, who at the time thought better of keeping it. The enemies were the Turks, and the place was the fortress of Azov. Next week, we follow Peter as he finally takes reign of the government of Russia, and we see how he handles diversity and begins to show why he is known to history as Peter the Great. Now, for this week in Russian history, for the week of December 5th through the 11th. In 1240, we have the Mongol invasion of Rus, Kiev under Danielo of Halyech, and Voivody Dmitryo fall to the Mongols under Batu Khan. In 1408, Emir Idigu 
of the Golden Horde reached Moscow, burned it, but could not take control of it. In 1842, Peter Kropotkin, a Russian anarchist, is born. And as a side, I'm going to be doing some uh, slapshot episodes next year on anarchists, as that was one of the classes that my Russian history professor taught at Queen's College, was on anarchism. And it's not the bomb-throwing, knife-wielding kind of guys that you think they are. Uh, they're an amazing group of people, and they have a rich history in Russia, and I'll be reporting on that next year. In 1917, Finland declared independence from Russia. In 1918, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, Russian writer, Soviet dissident, and Nobel laureate, was born. In 1941, World War II, and the Battle of Moscow, Georgi Zhukov launched a massive Soviet counterattack against the German army with the biggest offensive launched against Army Group Center. Also in World War II in 1941, the United Kingdom declared war on Finland in support of the Soviet Union during the Continuation War. And in 1978, Golda Meir, Russian-born Prime Minister of Israel, died. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Don't forget to visit the iTunes App Store and download the Russian Rulers app. And please visit the website at russianrulers.podhoster.com or become a Facebook friend at Russian Rulers History Podcast. Special thanks to Irina, Richard, Logan, and Andrew who posted comments this past week. So please, don't forget to ask a question, make a suggestion, and please leave a comment. And as always, до свидания и спасибо большое.